18 minutes it is before 9 p.m. You're tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, some of the questions coming through, uh, uh, yeah, from that uh, conversation we had. And uh, let me just uh, take a look at those. Azola saying, I haven't had a chance to uh, read the document yet, but I would like to find out what the implementation plan looks like. And uh, yeah, real pity there because I would have loved to touch also on the Township Economic Development Fund, uh, which is also aimed at... I guess, uh, creating some uh, investment framework to finance uh, some of these uh, infrastructure upgrades. And uh, Azola also asking, what is the role of the uh, provincial government in Gauteng in sourcing investment opportunities for the upgrade of infrastructure? Now, we also had an earlier comment uh, coming through from uh, Sir Pebs, uh, Pipagisa, you know, uh, saying, uh, are we not entrenching separate black development? Uh, only Tina, we will buy there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my view is that, you know, that's not the vision I read into this particular one. You might have a different view. But um, the sense that I get is that it subverts this whole dormitory-style impulse uh, in the planning of our townships uh, by, you know, really, I guess, trying to create plurality in terms of the land uses. So the whole idea of apartheid was you you would have a township solely being a residential area. Um, there wasn't any economy outside of pockets of space, of course, that were allowed in the Black Local Authorities Act for particular forms of, of enterprise. Heavily, of course, regulated, um, you know, and uh, operated in some cases uh, to the express benefit, of course, of the apartheid government. Now, I think in the post-apartheid era, what we haven't done, even in areas that are close to taxi ranks, close to a highly densified high streets, we haven't rezoned that land. Um, and many people are sitting making some money on that zoned land without an incentive to invest in the improvement of some of their property there because, yeah, uh, in effect, you know, they are undertaking commercial operations on residentially zoned land and it's uh, quite the process to rezone some of that land. So I think this does open up a lot of space uh, for that uh, to happen and um, also, I guess, for a more flexible licensing regime. Uh, but uh, we'll certainly take a look at that and uh, in no way is it suggesting that uh, the only people that must uh, operate or, or buy in that economy uh, are African people. I mean, I think the whole idea of even trying to introduce things like a nighttime leisure economy into our spaces uh, is to make sure that uh, these cease to be dormitory-style, heavily policed and uh, socially controlled townships. Uh, but uh, even people from Gaba in the north can come and spend some of their money pa elokshin. We certainly hope that that will be the case. And, uh, yeah, and uh, talking, I guess, about... Um, some of those developments at a local level, we know the local government elections were uh, set to happen, uh, you know, sometime this year. And uh, I guess they still haven't been changed to those dates, so to be honest. Uh, but uh, yeah, former Deputy Chief Justice Dekhang Moseneke saying free and fair elections can't be held uh, in uh, the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, he handed over his report on whether free and fair local government elections can be held in the country in the midst of the pandemic. And this is what, uh, I guess this is some of what he had to say. Yeah, that there was uh, Deputy, uh, former Deputy Chief Justice uh, Dekhang Moseneke uh, talking to uh, yeah, some of the uh, issues around uh, the free and fair elections and uh, that report being presented to the IEC. Of course, the IEC still has to make uh, their decision based on uh, the outcomes of that uh, particular report. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, we um, now head into our Under the Microscope segment. And this evening, we have uh, the opportunity to speak to the MD at uh, Sasria, Cedric Masondo. 
and uh, yeah, Sastria, the South Africa Special Risks um, Insurer, uh, the guys who insure civil commotion, public disorder, strikes, riots, and terrorism. And uh, yeah, they were set up, we understand, after the 1976 student uprising and uh, certainly faced, I guess, uh, with uh, another difficult flashpoint in the history of that uh, state-owned insurer. And uh, yeah, we take a look at uh, Sastria after this. Bob Masondo, good evening to you and welcome. Thank you very much. Good evening. Thank yeah, you for yeah, thank inviting you. me in your show. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, the last time I spoke to you, it was long, long, long before what happened uh, on the 12th, 13th and the 14th of July. Uh, and uh, yeah, you said I must not uh, forget to, to bring you onto the show to tell us about what Sasria does. I think we know now uh, what Sasria does. Uh, but that being said, uh, yeah, welcome once again. And uh, maybe it might be a good place for us to start there. Uh, just with the genesis of Sasri and the background of uh, what it is uh, that you cover. But you guys provide what is called non-mandatory cover for damages caused by civil unrest. What is that? Yeah, just, the last time we met, uh, we had posting 1.9 billion net profit. Yes. And our capital was three times uh, the requirement of the regulator. And we were cruising. We were overcapitalized. And everyone was blaming us of being overcapitalized. And that's just how things can change just in one week. Yeah, yeah. And and as you've started, as you've mentioned in your introduction, was started in 1979, and simply because the insurance companies then didn't want to write this this cover, mm. and there was no there was no insurance of or even reinsurance were not prepared to back reinsurance. So that's how we started. I mean, we've been going on for 42 years. We've gone through tough times. Uh, but this is probably the worst, uh, I mean, in terms of volumes and the magnitude mm. in terms of claims in our history. So so that's how we do. We cover uh, riots. We cover any type of riots, whether it's political, uh, it's non-political, and it, it's it's labor unrest and, and terrorism. Mm. You, say, you, you say this one is the worst. I mean, is it worse than the, you know, states of emergency, 85, 86, yes. uh, and some of the damage that was seen then? Yes, I went back and I just looked at the numbers. So probably in terms of magnitude, those times were bad. But I mean, I guess the buildings, the value of the buildings were not as expensive as now. And true. some of the areas were not as developed as now. And I don't even think uh, in 1985 were too many malls. I mean, if That's you true. just look at this one, this was malls were targeted. And malls, it's a new concept in South Africa. Yes, yes, yes. No, definitely, definitely. Let's talk about, um, I guess, some of the things that have unfolded. I mean, there was a lot of reportage that I found rather interesting, but, uh, you know, we'll move from that, that was suggesting at some stage, I mean, as heavily capitalized as you guys are, that you might not have some of the money to deal with uh, the liabilities that have been triggered by the risk events that we've seen over the last while. Talk to us about, I guess, what uh, misunderstandings there were around that um, and how uh, you've been in conversation, I guess, with uh, other arms of government to bring uh, some semblance, I guess, of uh, certainty to many of those that are anxious about how they're going to restore what they've lost. Uh, I guess when you when you are flooded with criticism, you you end up doubting yourself. I mean, this mm. evening I went back and I just look at: Did we do anything wrong? Uh, did we really undercapitalize and miss the opportunity? These are facts. Uh, Sasha is was is I mean was is three times I mean, in terms of capitals were required by uh, by the regulator. To, to provide 2.3 billion capital, and we had 8.9 billion. 
And we also required uh, to have reinsurance with a rated reinsurance in our panel mm. and, 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 and so on. So it is true that these claims, and we haven't received all claims. We don't know. We're counting numbers. We, haven't, we, we don't know. As of today, we've received claims worth about uh, $2 billion. So we're seeing an increase in claims. But these numbers does not include big, big malls and, and we're, we're waiting them. We're waiting for them. So the twenty billion that we were talking about, I mean these are such claims. I'm not talking about the total property damage because that includes claims that are not covered by SAJA, but it also includes limits above SAJA. As you know, SAJA only provides cover up to five hundred million. So I'm just looking at SAJA. The total SAJA loss, it is probably gonna be around twenty billion. And that is above our capital and also above our 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 reinsurance structure. Mm. So our capital and it's based in one in, in one in two hundred. This is definitely not one in two hundred. Probably one in one thousand in terms of what the actual calculate. So we had more than one in five hundred in terms of our our reserving, but this is more than that. So mm. we have we started this last week Thursday discussion with National Treasury. We've also have been uh, almost daily contact with the Prudential Authority, sure. and 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 we are working at the solution with the Prudent, with the sorry with the National Treasurer on how we can keep Sazra mm. afloat and making sure that we continue to own our liabilities and we also continue to exist. Yeah, talk to me about the rationale behind uh, I guess dividing those liabilities by value. So you've said to people who have experienced losses that are beneath the level of 1 million rand, you're going to process those claims, but then those above 1 million rand, there's a certain loss-adjusted process that you have to do of some analysis before those are processed. Yeah, so, so I mean, claims below a million normally are quick claims. Uh, it's normally trucks or even just more minor buildings. So mm. so those claims, we've given the man, we've extended the mandate to our agent companies, which are insurance companies, and they can process those claims and even pay those claims immediately. So that will really help the small business and, and to unlock and, and business can start repairing their shops and whatever. Mm. Big claims by its nature, these are claims that you need to be careful because that's where you can lose money. We appoint loss adjusters. They're quite complex in nature because, I mean, if you just look at the shop, a retail shop, a stock was stolen and damaged. You need to prove that the stock was worth so much. Mm. It's quite a long process. I mean, and also when you look at the stock only, just it also include the rebuilding of a of a mall. This is like eighteen months project. I mean, so that takes a long time. So that that's a that's a rationale of saying let's make sure that we pay the small guys. I mean, this not the small, it's not the right rate, but the SMEs and other business quicker so that they can restart the business. But you're also looking at paying interim payment for the big companies so they can start um, cleaning and, and restarting their, rebuilding their, their, those shops. Mm, mm. I guess, the, you know, the other dimension to that is, um, you know, if, if we think about some of the, the mix of your clientele here. I mean, we've seen many sense announcements coming through from the big, you know, uh, property owners and uh, the big retailers who are saying, well, you know, uh, I think all of our risks are insurable. They covered, be it by Sasria and even some of the other cover that they might have. Uh, but a big gap, certainly by my observation, is is those very sort of small and micro type enterprises who might not have necessarily had some cover with yourselves. How do we deal with that one? And uh, do we take an approach similar to, 
I guess uh, that uh, which we saw with the UIF during the first part of our pandemic, where you even include some of those who hadn't contributed as a way to get them in the net. Yeah, so that's a difficult one. Uh, I mean, we we are not dealing with those ones because they, I mean, at this stage, we're just dealing with our plans. Sure. So, so I guess the government is is looking at the option on how to help the, the small business. I mean, the sad thing, the sad reality is that. Uh, the businesses mainly in the townships, they don't buy insurance at all. Mm. And therefore, it's obvious they don't have SAJA because to have a SAJA, you, you need to have an, an insurance as an underlying policy. So, and, it, and this is not the first time. Every time there's riots and township businesses are damaged, the biggest losers are always black business and, and who don't have insurance. Yeah, hey, um, it, it just certainly, I guess, it, it makes things so, min- so much more difficult because uh, what it means is that the cost of restoring what people have lost or, or the sort of time that that will require becomes a lot longer because many people might not have the financial assistance that comes with, you know, the type of insurance that you guys provide. Uh, Nyambose, if there's any lesson that you've learned from the last week or so, um, and uh, I don't know if you've uh, gotten any rest since we saw what what has been happening. But if there's any lesson that you've learned that uh, at least one day we can look back and reflect on in the history of uh, this institution, uh, what, what what lesson would that be? I think for us there are three things. Uh, maybe, we, maybe we need to be aggressive. We should have been aggressive on the small businesses because those are the people who will be the biggest losers. Mm. Even though we do have a product specifically for them, and Saja it's extremely cheap, but maybe we should, we, we should be aggressive on, on, on getting those business. In terms of capital, and I'm, I must be honest, I mean, unless I'm convinced otherwise, there is no way we would have... Uh, we would have capitalized business more than what we what we've done. So the only lesson for me is, and which is a sad reality, is probably the sustainability of insurance. If insurance in future will be required to reserve and have capital in one in one thousand, there will be very few insurance companies, and the premium will be extremely expensive. Mm. And there will be no way a small, Africa, I mean, that people will even be able to start an insurance company. Yeah. Hey. And of course, I guess the other question is, in a country, you know, as unequal as ours, um, maybe just give us a sense of, if you look at your claims load now, and you compare that to what would be a normal period, now that that doesn't mean in that normal period there aren't any protests or insurable risks that you face, um, but just give us a comparison, I mean, of your particular caseload now vis-a-vis when you probably have a few community protests and other forms of uh, unrest um, that yeah. aren't as systemic as what we saw. Yeah, I, I mean, so, so, so before this, the event started, our outstanding claims, mm. this is all claims that we've, we've not settled. We're sitting at 850 million. So these are the claims that we've accepted liability, we're in the process of settling them. As we speak today, we're sitting at 2.9 billion. This is in the last, so bear in mind that also we started receiving a lot of claims Thursday and Friday and last week. So these are just three days, four days. We've just added two billion into mm. our reserves. Wow. Yo, Nyambos. Yes. Thank you. As always, a pleasure catching up with you and thank you very much for your time. I wish you all of the best. Yeah. You must invite me when we're talking good things. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's true. We mustn't only invite you, Makshubile. So we'll certainly try and and invite you uh, to talk about uh, Sasri. And of course, also talk about you as well. I mean, 
you're a veteran in this game and uh, yeah we wish you strength during this difficult moment and uh, yeah we hope to speak on the other side thank you very much Bonga that there was Cedric Masondo, Managing Director at uh, the South African Special Risks Insurer Sasria, which insures for terrorism, civil unrest, protest, civil commotion, and many of the other things that normal insurers would not cover. We're going to have to leave it there, folks, for this evening. 9 p.m. is the time. The man with the music is standing by. Musical accompaniment from now right through to midnight. Manbulele, Chola, Nakue, Jaws, for putting together this great production. Have yourself a great evening. Take strength, my Africa. Nangoku, sisa ibanga le economy.